was all my fault. Because for six months living on the couch, I was, I'm like, dude, it's, it's because I don't have a family, you know, there's nobody in my family who can help me. Other people have help or finance or at least call, you know, a parent or an uncle or somebody that gives them some advice. I don't have any of that. That's the problem. You know, that was why I ended up here. I, I, was, I blamed it on the, the two clients that didn't pay. Dude, if they had fucking paid, I wouldn't be in this problem. That might be so, but I was blaming them. I was blaming on the employee that didn't get the thing done in time. I was blaming it on the, you know, all these other issues. And what I learned in that weekend, for me at least, was I created the problem. And if I created it, I could solve it. Now, doesn't mean that some outside factors weren't true. What it did mean is it didn't matter anymore. So I was going to take 100% responsibility for everything in my life. If I'm going to take 100% responsibility for the successes in my life, I have to take 100% responsibility for the failures in my life. And so that's what I did. People ask me, like, what was the biggest thing that changed you? It was that. I took 100% responsibility. And it took me 12 months. But I went from living on a couch, about to be evicted and be homeless, a quarter million dollars in debt, about to be bankrupt, to doing my first million dollars in a year. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Get After a Podcast. I'm your host, Aaron Griffin. I am stoked to be with you today. As you guys can tell from that introduction, you are in for a treat today. We got the full backstory of, I mean, just an amazing story of entrepreneurship. And I am, uh, I'm stoked to share with you guys. Real quick, before I dive into this, uh, on a personal or podcasting note, um, it took us three and a half months to get to a thousand downloads and it took about a month to get to the second thousand downloads. So I want to thank you all like crazy for supporting this project. We've got a lot of improvements coming up in terms of interviews. We got some editing uh, things that you're going to notice. I have a new microphone. If you haven't noticed already, we, we're going to be doing some really cool changes here as we move forward. And I'm just so excited to be with you guys. And I want to express that uh, to you all. Uh, my guest today who joined our live discussion call with uh, young professionals and entrepreneurs uh, is Brian Cristiano, who's the founder and CEO of Bold Worldwide. Uh, Brian's a self-made entrepreneur, a business strategist, marketing expert, keynote speaker, in addition to uh, running a company, Bold Worldwide. He works with amazing Fortune 500 companies, and he's going to go into a full introduction here right when we get off the bat uh, and right into his story. But just so you guys understand, he does uh, works with marketing and strategizing consulting, essentially, for companies like PepsiCo, UFC Gym, Orange Theory Fitness, Jennifer Lopez, and Alex Rodriguez. He actually does tell us the story of how he landed A-Rod as a client, and it is a wild one. It's a cool one, and Brian, I had a chance to meet him in Boston on a, a networking event probably about two years ago, and uh, also had a chance to attend an in-person training from Brian, which was just, I mean, just awesome, and I, I want to say that this guy has inspired me so much on my journey it is really cool for me to be able to welcome him uh, into this group. So without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, CEO and founder of Bold Worldwide, Brian Cristiano. Perfect. All right, guys. So um, yeah, thanks, Aaron. Um, I don't know how much you know about me. Um, you know, so I run, I own Bold Worldwide. We're a strategy consulting firm. Uh, very much focused in on growth of companies. Uh, a lot of it comes down to sales, marketing, operations, and, and strategy, utilizing data for all of that. I mean, that's today. That's what we're doing today. And our client roster is everybody from PepsiCo, Alex Rodriguez, Jennifer Lopez, um, all the way down to some really cool startups and, every, and, and a lot of companies in between. But obviously, it, you know, I, I'm, I'm sure you assume that that's not where the story started, um, you know, and taking you back now, I'm going to date myself to the mid 90s. Um, I had no intent on being an entrepreneur, no intent on running a company, no intent of doing what I do today. Um, I was a kid that grew up, um, in a, in a real blue collar family. My mom was a teacher. My dad was in the air force. Um, you know, we lived in a relatively, you know, medium blue collar town. Um, you know, and, and just nothing super special. I mean, I actually years later found out we didn't even have cable till I was, till I was like eight years old, stuff like that. Right. So we weren't like super poor, but definitely it was like paycheck to paycheck. 
uh, kind of growing up. And, you know, every person in my family, even to this day, um, all blue collar folks, right? There's not one business owner. There's not one entrepreneur, nobody. Um, and when I was 16 years old, mid nineties, when rollerblading was cool, you guys don't know that you're too young. <clears throat> so I'll you just skateboarding. It's not even cool anymore, but like in the mid nineties, that stuff was awesome. Um, I actually wanted to be a pro skater, like X game stuff. And I was good. I wasn't going to be pro though. I realized that at some point. Um, and so, but I, but I was like, what am I going to do? Like, um, I was competing, but I wasn't, you know, again, I wasn't going to be pro in the X games. So I'm like 16 years old. I'm thinking like, what am I going to do? Like, you know, how can I do something cool with this? And I realized I said like, man, you know, it's really interesting is I am probably one of the only folks on the East coast that knows all of these prof these pros and I'm around them all the time. And like, we're filming, you know, we're filming each other not to do anything other than to literally like take the tape home and like watch it later, like game tape. And I said, you know what? what if I make a skate video? Like, that'd be pretty cool. And everybody I knew, like teachers, parents, they're like, what do you know about making videos? Like, yeah, you like take those little camcorder things, set it up on tripod, film yourselves. What do you know about making videos? I'm like, I don't, but it'd be pretty cool. Like, I love skating, I like videos. Like this, I know these pros, like let's do something, right? So I worked as a bus boy, saved up enough money to buy my first camera. Um, I go and I start filming. And, you know, then I decide, I said, okay, hey, I, I've got to edit. I've got to turn this into a video. I don't know anything about editing. I didn't even own a computer. So I saved up, you know, kept being a bus boy, saved enough money, bought my first computer. Um, is anybody, I know one of you here is in the creative world. Does anybody know Adobe Premiere? Okay, a couple of you, a few of you. So you've at least heard of it before. So <laughs> when I bought this computer, I got Adobe Premiere version 1.1. So that's like a hundred years ago. Um, and I taught myself how to start editing. I started to edit this thing together. And you know, again, everybody's like, what are you doing? Why are you spending your time on this? Like, what do you know about editing? And I'm like, I don't know. Like, I'm just, I'm, I'm gonna make something out of this. And my teachers, my guidance counselor, even my parents, like people would support me like, yeah, that's cool. Like, that's a nice hobby. But like, you know, you're gonna be graduating in a year and a half. Like, maybe you should think about a career. Like. You need to go to college. You need to, you know, you need to, to, to learn something. You need to like, you know, that's a nice thing to do on the side on weekends, but not something you, you should be doing every day. And I was, um, and I was like, nah, man, like I got to do something with this. Like I got this fire. I got this passion. I got to, I got to make something out of this. So I start editing a bit and I'm like, I don't know how I'm going to sell this thing. And people are like, well, how did you see your 16 year old kid? Like, how are you going to sell a video? And mind you, you're all a lot younger. There was no YouTube. There was no video online. Like you had to actually sell physical like tapes. It wasn't even friggin' DVDs yet. Um, and so <laughs> really dating myself here. But so I was like looking at the back of one of my skate videos that I had. And on the back of it, it said like video action sports. It had this 800 number. So I was like, let me just call these guys. So I call them up and they're like, hello, video action sports. So I said, hey, I have your next big skate video. And they're like, who the fuck are you? And I'm like, oh, like, you know, so I was just this young kid. I'm 16 years old. I call up these guys. Everybody's telling me like, this is a nice little hobby. But, like, this isn't a business. You don't know what you're doing. You don't know how to make videos. You're not, you know, you're not a business person. Like you need to like slow down, know your role and go and, you know, do something you know, productive with your life. Short version of the story is I sold that skate video for 40 grand at 16 years old to that distribution company. So that was my first that was my first step into business and entrepreneurship. And I was like, oh yeah, everybody told me I couldn't do this. Guidance counselor, family, whatever, like F you, like I'm gonna go do this. Like I'm gonna go, you know, make this career, uh, you know, in, in, in film. And so, um, you know, that was kind of the early stage of my career. Um, I was planning to, you know, I was trying to figure out like, okay, I started making other skate videos, like some local commercials. And I was making more money at like 16, 17 years old. Um, than, than people that had graduated college for many, many years, right? And so I was doing pretty well for a, for a kid. Um, and, you know, trying to figure out what I'm going to do next, my family was very much pushing me to, that's nice, you got lucky, that's so cool, like save your money, like go to college. Um, and then one day, like if you want to make these videos and stuff again, like you can go and do that. And I was like, dude, I don't know, man, like this just doesn't seem right to me, but I'm traveling down this path, I'm going to go to college. Um, and I am, it's my, my senior year of, of, of high school and my dad was going to retire. He was 30 years in the military. 
a lieutenant colonel in the Air Force. Um, and he was an amazing, amazing person, like taught me a lot. But you're talking about somebody who had 30 years in the military, military guy, like precision, like you do step A and then B and then C, this is how you do it. Um, and, and he was very much like trying to get me to understand that. Now, I, I learned a ton from that. He was a guy that freaking like loved his country, like, you know, obviously amazing at what he did. But he had these bigger dreams that he was, you know, telling me about that when he was going to retire later that year that he was going to then do. He was going to travel some different places. He was going to open up the science center. He was very passionate about teaching kids. Like that's really where his heart was. So, you know, he had these big, big dreams that he was going to do. And so he was kind of telling me that, listen, like you got to go put in your time somewhere, like go to college, put in your time, build up your you know, resume. Then you can go and do these other things that are really like your passion project, like this video. And he was being very respectful about it, right? He was trying to give me some guidance, but it was very much like, you know, the, the methodology of A to B to C to D and E. And, you know, I just, deep down, I wasn't buying it, but like, you know, I respected it. And so it was coming down to his retirement. Um, and we had planned out, it was like, uh, it was the weekend uh, uh, after Halloween that he was retiring, right? So I remember it was like coming up to Halloween, they were planning a party. He had people that were, you know, flying in that next Friday for, from everywhere, the people he hadn't seen in 20, 30 years from high school, like a couple hundred people. And, you know, and again, remember, like my family, even at that point, like they didn't really have money. And so like they scraped and borrowed and created deals and, you know, they knew everybody in the town. So like, you know, they, they got everything together for that Friday. And so he was retiring the month, that Monday, right after Halloween, he was retiring. And so he had to go into work that one last day, like sign the last piece of paper. And that was it. And Friday is, uh, you know, Friday is, is his retirement. Sunday night, he dies of a heart attack. That Friday, <clears throat> excuse me, that Friday was his funeral. And, um, <clears throat> excuse me, that Friday was his funeral. And uh, uh, these hundreds of people that, that came, that you know, still had tickets and flew in. You know, like they, they all still came, but they ended up, you know, they ended up putting them to rest. And so for me, <clears throat> looking back at that time, what it really made me realize was, dude, life's short. You know, you just don't know. Like it was complete shock. There was no, we had no idea. And it made me rethink everything to realize like, dude, like I can't wait for the day that everything falls in line, A to B to C to D, to then go and live out my passion and my dreams. Because what if it never comes? What if you put in 30 years of hard work, even though, yes, you loved it, but you really had an itch you needed to scratch, something real passionate that you needed to do. Then you fucking die the day before you have the opportunity to do so. And so it's really, for me, changed my perspective on life a lot you know, really made me realize that like, and don't get me wrong, like, you know, there are some truths to putting in the work and working your way up. But I'll tell you this, you really need to figure out like what's in your heart of hearts. What do you really want to do? What's that burning desire? What's like, dude, I have to do this. Big or small. Don't let anybody tell you you have to wait. Doesn't mean you might have to get a job and do that on the side or on the weekends. Maybe that's the truth because there's still things like real bills and real things we have to do as humans and adults. However, there's no guarantee for tomorrow. And that was one of the biggest things that changed me and something that drives me every day, especially when times are tough, like right now, when there's a lot of unknowns. You know, like I'm working hard. I'm in good spirits. I'm going to be fine. My business ultimately is going to be fine. We would make some changes and stuff like every other business on the planet right now, but I'm ultimately not worried. Right. However, dude, today, like it's a weird economy. There's weird stuff going on. We're all like, like, I'd rather be talking to you guys in person. Like, you know, this is cool. Maybe we would do it anyway, virtually, but like, we're on this weird time of life right now. And dude, there's days where I wake up and I'm like, I don't want to do shit. Today. I don't want to. I don't want to get on the call. I don't want to do, you know, whatever. And I remind myself, dude, you might not get tomorrow. And so what happens if clock strikes midnight and you didn't do shit today? 
you didn't put your all in, you didn't put your effort in, you didn't go for it. Yeah, sure, maybe you're sick and tired of it. Maybe you didn't feel like it. But when that clock strikes midnight, if that was your last minute and you had a second to reflect, would you go, yeah, I'm glad I sat on my ass today. Yeah, I'm glad I didn't follow my dreams for the last year, five years, 30 years. Or would you be like, fuck, I should have gotten my ass off the couch. I should have pushed forward. I should have done something today. I think about that. When I don't want to move, when I, especially then, right? It's like, dude, we're not guaranteed tomorrow. You have to, you have to move and you got to do what you love. Because you're not, you have no idea. At some point, all our tickets get called, unfortunately. And time is the only thing we don't get back. You can fail miserably and lose all your money and you can make it all back. You burn out your time clock, you don't get any minutes back. That's the only thing in life that's not reversible. And so I don't say that to scare you, but I say that to try to motivate you to say like, listen, like you got to really think about like, what's pushing you? You know, are you, are you putting in your effort so that like, Tomorrow, you're a step forward or half, half a step closer to where you're trying to get to. And are you following your dreams? Are you following what really drives you? Right? Like, are you doing stuff today that you want to do? And that's not necessary. Like, some people think of that as like, oh, well, I just want a vacation on this beautiful beach Brian has in New Hampshire at 9 p.m. at night. <laughs> but seriously, like, there's people that think that's not the dream. We all got to work. We got to, we've got to put something into the universe and the life in order to get something back. But don't you want to put something out in the universe that you'd want to do anyway? It's so much more exciting. It's so much more invigorating. When times are tough, it's so much easier to wake up and do something that you're passionate about, that you love, that you're excited about versus just doing something you have to do. So I'll fast forward my story a little bit. So I went to college, you know, I was down that path. I go to college. I'm there for two years. I get my associates and I'm supposed to get my bachelor's. I know some of you are graduating or about to graduate. So you may appreciate this. Or you might be like, you're an idiot. Or you might be like, hell yeah. Don't, don't use my story as a roadmap. It's just a story, but it's true. <clears throat> so the way that it was working, I went to art school and, you know, for film, for video production and, uh, and for directing. And so, um, which by the way, dude, I went to art school. I run a multi-million dollar company, two of them actually. <laughs> like, so there's no, like, there's no path. Like there's no specific thing. Like anybody tells you this is exactly how it, how you do it. No, dude, you can get there a thousand different ways. So go with your instinct, go with what makes you excited, right? Like that's a little moral of the story before I tell the story, but I go to college, I'm getting my, my, my associate's degree and then I'm supposed to transfer into a bachelor program bachelor's for film. And I transferred it back, get my associates, you know, it's just like a technical thing. There was no like real graduation or whatever. Then I move into the bachelor's program. Cool. And it's my first week, third day, first week. And I sit down, I forget, it was like a directing class or something like that. Sit down and the professor's there in front of us. And he's asking everybody like, okay, who has some professional experience in the field? I'm not putting anybody down, but a lot of people raise their hand like, oh yeah, I film, I film weddings on the side. Oh yeah, you know, as a production assistant on this, you know, a little something. They get to me. He's like, you know, oh, you know, what, what have you done? And I was like, well, I've produced five skate videos. One was the highest grossing this and this. Um, you know, I showed VCAM for these four shows on the History Channel. I was producer on this. I edited this other show. Blah, blah, blah. And he looks at me dead in the eyes. He goes, why are you here? And I look around, everyone's staring at me. And I go, that's a great question. I don't know. And I pick up my swear God. I pick up my books right then and there. I walk out. I go down to administrations and I'm like, how do I leave this place? They're like, what? I unenrolled. And I didn't even, I didn't tell my family, I didn't even tell my mom for like, I don't know, a month or two. <laughs> and I just got back, back into working. It was probably one of the best decisions of my life. Um, you know, for me anyway. So then I go, I leave, you know, I leave Florida, I go back to New York, I start building a company. And, you know, I'm it's early, early 2000s, right? And I'm doing pretty well. Like, I'm, I think I'm crushing it. Like, I'm, I'm doing awesome. Like, dude, it's so easy for me to get clients. Like, I'm doing all this business. I'm like, dude, I'm moving my company to Manhattan. I get an office space in Manhattan. I'm like, dude, this is awesome. Getting some bigger clients. I moved to the Upper East Side of Manhattan. Got a nice apartment. I'm feeling awesome. And then reality punches me in the nose. I wake up one day, because it felt this way, and quarter million dollars in debt, 
two months behind on my personal rent, literally have an eviction notice on my door, can't pay employees, can't pay vendors, can't pay creditors, nothing, like negatives in every bank account. I have personal and business. I'm like, shit. And so I'm like, I don't even know where to go, what to do, who to talk to. Because again, I don't have any business person in my family. There was no one I could call that would be like, all right, hey, listen, I've been through tough times before. This is what you do. They'd have been like, I told you, you should. That's crazy. Like I was more in debt than probably my, my mom as a teacher would make over the course of the next like eight years. Seriously. Like I was more in debt than she would make in 10 years, right? Like it's just crazier five years, right? So like I had nobody that I could talk to. And even worse is I was going to prove everybody that said like, dude, you can't make it. You don't know anything about business. You know, like I was going to prove them all right, which to me was worse. So I'm like, I can't tell anybody that I have this going on. I got to figure this shit out on my own. Like, what do I do? So the first thing I do is I go to Craigslist. I list my apartment for rent. And, you know, some people show up. And then finally this guy, this, this dude from France shows up, pastry chef, the Waldorf story. He just got a job there. And he's like, oh, this is a nice place. You know, how much you want? I tell him. He's like, okay, that's fine. I said, oh, hey, awesome, cool, you're good. He's like, he signs the little paperwork with me. He's like, yeah, I'm good, I'm good. And I said, oh, hey, I forgot to mention there's one thing. There's gonna be a dude sleeping on the couch, is that all right? He's like, yeah, whatever. I was the dude sleeping on the couch. I rented out my whole place to him and bartered to allow him to let me sleep on my own couch. I gave him the whole place furnished for a little bit less than it would have cost otherwise and allowing me to stay on the couch. I had nowhere to put my stuff. So I literally do my clothes. Everything was packed into the kitchen cabinets. It's the beauty about living with somebody who's a chef. They do not cook at home because they don't take their work home with them. So like oven was where my, I kept my jeans. I swear to God. It was crazy. Um, and so for me, that was, was, was turned out to be one of the lowest of low points of my life. Um, you know, I'm, I want to say like, I was like, yeah, like I'm going to take this on, dude. I was severely depressed. I was still working hard. Don't get me wrong, man. Like I was going to the office. I was doing work. Every phone call, every email with somebody looking for money, creditors, people chasing me down. Like, dude, I like couldn't answer the email. Didn't want to look at the mail stacking up in the corner because I can't, I can't do anything about it. So I'm like trying to block it all out, just trying to get like to the next day. All right, if I close this deal then, and dude, I'm just like elongating the problem. I, I, I slept on the couch for over six months until I was like, this is it. This is rock bottom. It was Christmas. And I was there. My roommate, dude, was renting out my place. He'd left for a couple of weeks. Thank God he left that time because I come home from work one night. I don't know. I don't, I don't think I've ever told the story, Aaron, by the way, at least not publicly. Um, I come home one night. It's like a couple days before Christmas and power's out. If Con Ed turned off my power, I had like two stickers on my door, like last notice of rent, power's out, $380 for us to turn it back on. And I'm like, shit, I'm just sitting there in my apartment in the dark. And I'm like, fuck this. Like, what am I doing? I'm going to be homeless. Everybody's going to be right. Maybe I'm not cut out for this. Dude, maybe I'm not. Maybe, you know, maybe I shouldn't quit school. I started, dude, I questioned everything. I was like lowest of lows, like multiple tequila bottle, lowest of lows, right? Like for real, I think back and go like, I don't know what kept me moving forward in the next day but I was hanging on by a thread and I wake up the next morning, probably hung over shit from being honest. And I was like, dude, I got to change something, man. I thought about it and I said, look, I've got two paths. A, I end up bankrupt and homeless. B, I keep doing what I'm doing and I end up bankless and homeless. B, Dude, I, I just, I go 180 degrees in the other direction and I try to fix it. And I was like, I got to fix it. 
So I, I, got, I went, you know, I, I got some books and I was like every self-help book that I felt like would, you know, would resonate with me. I'm reading all these different books and stuff. Um, and this is not planned. I think I have it on me. Let me just see real fast. Um, yep. Uh, I do. I do actually. This is actually crazy. This little book, this little book right here was what I started writing down in when I started reading these books. This, this thing is from like 2000 and I don't know, it was like 13, 14 years old. So literally, and by the way, I don't save stuff. I happen to find, find this last year, like buried in a box somewhere. I didn't even know I kept this because I don't keep stuff. I'm not a pack rat. I hate old shit, like throw it away. I wouldn't have kept this. This wasn't intentional. I happened to stumble upon this way after A, I forgot I did this and B, way after I already started telling my story. So this is brand new. I've only a handful of people have seen this. So I start, you know, writing down in here and I'm like, you know, trying to change all these different things about myself. You know, what am I going to do? Like, what are my goals? Like, how am I going to change, you know, things differently? And one of the things I wrote down is, you know, CEO types the contact. This was like an exercise of people so far in my comfort zone. But if I could get in front of them, if I could connect with them, that they would change my life and change my business. And the first one on the list is Tony Robbins. I'm sitting there the next day. Fucking Tony Robbins ad jumps up on TV. You're in New York next week course they're in New York next week. I just wrote that down. I just saw that. Right. And I'm like, shit. Okay. Um, it's like $850 or something like that. And dude, I, I'm telling you, I like literally negative dollars on my bank accounts. My roommate happened to pay me cash like three days before. And I'm sitting there going, and he doesn't know I'm two months behind on the rent. Like I just keep ripping down those last notice stickers. Right. Cause you can, New York, you can squeak it out. If you stay within that two months, like they don't like it, but like they can't, like the cops can't take you out until you get to three. Um, so I was just on the edge. He didn't know I'd sneak the stickers off. He had no idea. So he pays me cash. I'm sitting there going like, fuck. Okay. Rent. Go to Tony Roberts. Rent. Tony Roberts. I went, I went. And you know, I, I'm, I, you know, whether you're like Tony or you don't like it, I, you know, for me, it was like, this was the first time in my entire life that I was in a room of thousands of other people who are all trying to make themselves better. So forget what Tony said. Like for me being in a room like that, think about it guys, you're in a group like this where everybody's trying to improve and get to the next level. I didn't have any of that. So I was far into my career, almost blew shit up. I didn't even know this was available. Okay. So you should all thank Aaron for putting this together, by the way. But for me to be around people, of all sorts of different statures of life. Do people just starting, people in the beginning starts of their career, people who are 67 years old, like problems way worse than mine and put it in perspective. I'm like, fuck, there's other people going through shit and there's other people who are trying to make themselves better and there's other people who really care. And so for me, aside from that, my biggest takeaway was it was all my fault because for six months living on the couch, I was, I'm like, dude, it's, it's because I don't have a family, you know, there's nobody in my family who can help me. Other people have help or finance or could at least call, you know, a parent or an uncle or somebody that gives them some advice. I don't have any of that. That's the problem. You know, that was why I ended up here. I, I, was, I blamed it on the, the two clients that didn't pay. Dude, if they had fucking paid, I wouldn't be in this problem. That might be so, but I was blaming that. I was blaming it on the employee that didn't get the thing done in time. I was blaming it on the, you know, all these other issues. And what I learned in that weekend, for me at least, was I created the problem. And if I created it, I could solve it. Now, doesn't mean that some outside factors weren't true. But what it did mean is it didn't matter anymore. So I was going to take 100% responsibility for everything in my life. If I'm going to take 100% responsibility for the successes in my life, I have to take 100% responsibility for the failures in my life. And so that's what I did. People ask me, like, what was the biggest thing that changed you? It was that. I took 100% responsibility. And it took me 12 months. But I went from living on a couch, about to be evicted and be homeless, a quarter million dollars in debt, about to be bankrupt, to doing my first million dollars in a year. I paid, I paid everybody back, paid off every debtor, paid off every vendor. Everybody didn't go bankrupt personally, didn't go bankrupt in the business, turned it all around. 
I didn't learn more about business. I didn't get some degree. I didn't get some family member who all of a sudden could help me out or bail me out. All the change for me is my mindset, taking responsibility. I worked 18 hours a day. I'm not even kidding you, seven days a week. It was absurd. To this day, I'm like, dude, I need to, I need to go, like, I need to work as hard as I used to. Like I worked my butt off to make it happen. It wasn't easy. It didn't just change my mindset and then everything fell in place. I changed my mindset and then just went all in. But I turned it around. Fast forward later, you guys see him. Ed Milet, Aaron's a client. Dude, I'm just, I'm just a normal guy that wanted to make skate videos who dropped out of art school. That's my story. So Brian, awesome. Uh, unbelievable <laughs> in a lot of ways, because I've heard that story in bits and pieces. I haven't heard it that compelling though. Um, I'm just going to be, just to be realistic here, it's approaching 930 on the East Coast. Yeah. You have a one-year-old daughter and, and two companies that you're running. I'm, I'm good. If, I mean, you guys wrap it whenever you got to cancel, but I'm yours as long as you need me. Daughter's asleep. So cool. Well, I would, I would love to ask you a couple questions and then have everyone else start throwing in some questions. Brian. Um, first of all, I, I just want to ask, um, cause Brian, I, I want to ask for you when you were in that, uh, um, mode of that, that, that power outage and really like that, when you got back to that, did you remember your father at that point in time or were you already was it already a work in that process how how powerful did that story come back to you to think i'm just really curious on that because it's such a powerful why that drives mm. you forward on that i'm just curious in that darkest moment was that a factor that helped you get off get up and start moving with it again or how did that come into play yeah yeah yeah, yeah. it was it wasn't the only factor but it was definitely a factor right because as I was sitting there, and I remember this so vividly, dude. I'm literally remember I'm sitting in the corner of my apartment, and I have a stack of, of you know, I got a stack of mail, but it's like 40 times as thick. Every one of them is a bill, pass notice, collections note, whatever. I just couldn't bring myself to open for months. And I just kept collecting. I'm just sitting there, and I got this fucking huge pile on one side, you know, and, and, you know, I, I'm just like sitting there and going like, dude, what do I do? I, I either keep doing the same thing and this isn't going to go away. Like that stack wasn't getting shorter by me doing what I was doing. And like I said, don't get me wrong. I was living on a couch. I was still working. I was still going to the office every day, which is I wasn't making progress. And so not making progress was still losing because dude, those kept, things kept stacking up, interest stacking up. Like it's getting worse by continuing down the path. It was inevitable that I would get evicted. Um, and in that moment, I was like, if I don't change, I'm going to end up exactly in this spot. And I was like, dude, like, I don't know how many days I'm going to get. I don't know how many opportunities I'm going to get. Like, I either do it now. What am I waiting for? Am I waiting for 35? Like, what am I doing? So that was a factor in my, me finally moving forward and making a decision. I know that for me, I, uh, when I moved <clears throat> across from Michigan to Boston to launch the student parent division out there, it was really freaking weird because I was the only person I knew who was, I think it was 20 years old at the time. Everybody was in school. Everybody was still doing their school thing on social media. And I was in this weird position of being alone, right? Like being super alone. Nobody could relate to anything I was doing. And then I literally, yeah. this is like a hilarious story. I stumbled upon growing bold and that's how I connected with you first. And I think I've messaged mm -hmm. you on this. You are really the reason why I started doing Instagram stories and actually started documenting the stuff I was doing, which is I'm like hilariously known for some of these Instagram stories. It's probably a huge reason why we have this group, honestly, today. So I do want to awesome. thank you for, dude, for leading that. I have a question on that, then I'm sure these other guys can start ripping some. Uh, dude, what, you, you obviously have this infamous video. My brother's a big Grant Cardone guy. You, you're sitting with Grant Cardone. And you're like, you're going to take this bit. And he asks you, is it for real? You're going to take bold worldwide to a hundred million dollars. You want to give us the, yeah. I'd be just curious the background on that. Did you have a relationship with Grant? How did you get into that meeting? And you want to just give us the backdrop on that and how it ended up going into growing uh, bold. Yeah, absolutely. So um, I indirectly knew Grant at that time. I, I knew folks who did business with Grant and I was close with them and they, you know, and, and they connected me with Grant and, you know, and I kind of worked out this thing and, you know, okay, cool. He's going to give me a little bit of his time. Um, he'll kind of give me a coaching session or whatever you want to call it. And, you know, for me, it was like, okay. Um, I, I made a decision like, Hey, you know what? I know they're filming this. 
Um, but I'm going to be as honest as I can because I want his real reaction, like what he would, his real advice, not some like version based on like a half truth that I was going to tell him, right? Even though the cameras were there. So, you know, I tell him all this stuff. I'm like, tell him how much I'm paying myself. I've been coming, like, all this stuff at the time. Um, you know, and, and, and he's like, you know, do you think you can build this to $100 million? I'm like, yep, absolutely. And he's like, okay, great. And then that's your goal, dude. You got to focus in on that, right? Driving revenue and growing the, and growing and scaling the business. I'm like, all right, that sounds good. And so, um, honestly, like I kind of, I didn't forget about it, but I've like, didn't think about it. And then it was like, one day I get a bunch of text messages start flying through, dude, I saw you on great car. I'm like, Oh crap. I forgot about that. It was a few weeks later. And <laughs> so I just take it. I throw it in the slack to all my employees. I'm like, Hey, check it out. My grandpa, I hadn't watched it yet. I don't know what I was thinking, but I just assumed for some reason that it was like edited. They're going like cut out all this shit about me talking about how much I paid myself and all these other things. Of course they didn't. It's a whole raw interview. And I just like sent it to all my employees and I'm like saying how much I made and all this shit. I'm like, Oh my God, as I'm watching this, I'm now like scared, embarrassed. Like, I'm like, Oh, what am I doing? So I was working with Hank Norman. Who I think, you know, um, you know, at the time I call him up and he's like, he's like, dude, I saw you on Grant, man. How was it? I was like, Oh, it was really good. I was like, but man. And I tell him what I just told you that I sent it out to everybody. And he goes, okay. It was like a few days later. He goes, okay. And what bad happened because of that? I was like, nothing he's like all right did anything good happen to you this guy wants to work for free all this stuff happened he goes so it sounds like by you getting that exposure and being really honest it was actually pretty beneficial to you huh i was like fuck hank you're right and i was like dude you know what i really should do now that i put the stake in the ground and everybody knows i'm trying to build a hundred million dollar company i was like i should just document it that'll hold me accountable and he goes i didn't say it you did and i was like fuck. and that was the beginning of growing bold I love it. I love it. And I think, uh, it was Hank, Hank was the, was Hank the guy that I met at Boston public house? I think it was right. Was he doing your, no, sales? that was, um, no. no, no, Hank, Hank Norman. Um, you Google him. He, he does a bunch of stuff with Grant. He spoke at 10 X. You probably seen him on somebody's content somewhere. Okay. I'll share some Got stuff it. with you later, but Got yeah, I, I wasn't sure about that guys. Funny. When I, when I met Brian, it was a, he did a, he threw a meetup, uh, thing in Boston and I was actually at a, I got there early and I was literally, I was doing student painter sales calls at a Dunkin' Donuts. And I don't know, Brian, do you remember that? <laughs> oh, I remember walking by and you're like, yo. I literally, cool, I think I, it was really cool. I think I ran out the coffee store and I, ran, I screamed Brian Cristiano because I was so fucking. Yeah, yeah. I was like halfway down the block. I'm like, uh, but it was cool, man. That was a fun night. We got you on this call. It worked. Uh, Kevin, you got a question for Brian. You want to throw it at him? Yeah, Brian, thanks a bunch. Again, appreciate your time. Um, loved your story so far. I guess I was wondering kind of specifically, so you said, you know, the weekend you kind of, you got the Tony Robbins seminar, um, taught you a lot about yourself, kind of changed your mindset. Could you elaborate, like, what specifically, like, you know, that first Monday you went back to work, what are some concrete examples of things you did differently that you weren't doing the week before? You know what I mean? How did you get that momentum going um you know continue it through the first week the first month the first year um yeah i guess i guess any like specifics you might have there yeah for sure um so the first thing really was i had to i cut out blaming everything and everybody right so so i deflected nothing and so what that was is literally monday my phone rang and i'm like everything was going to voicemail my phone rang out hello this is brian this is so, so collection, whatever. Okay, cool. Like, let's talk about it, man. Like, let's work, let's work this through. I started facing all the stuff that I was running away from. I opened every bill. I like, we're going to put it all out in a spreadsheet. Like, you know, the stuff that I, I really didn't want to deal with. I just, I jumped right in. I owned it. I couldn't blame it anymore. Right. And so if I, if I couldn't blame it anymore, then I had to open, I had to answer the calls. I had to deal with it straight on. And that was like Monday morning. Number one, uh, you know, number, you know, number two was, how, how was I going to fix this, this challenge? Like what was, I had to figure out like, what was my biggest problem? Sales. Like if I could bring in more revenue, I could obviously, you know, get out of this. So for me, it was like, dude, I've got to focus in on the growth of this company. I've got to sell more. And so what that did to me is that week, I'm going like, who do I know? Well, at that time we were a production company. So we worked with a lot of ad agencies and stuff like that. So I'm like, what producers do I know? What ad agencies do I know? What parties in, in the ad world are coming up? And I, Dude, even the most uncomfortable states, like 
I put myself in front of everybody. I called everybody I knew, hey, what's going on? What productions you got happening? Da, 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 da. This is what I've got going on. Just started talking to everybody who could potentially drive business my way. Um, that was, you know, that was number two. And then number three, I had to get my confidence up. And I forget where I read it, but some book, I can't take credit for this, but some book or something I read or saw gave this tip. And I said, look, go outside and stare people in the eye. You want to know how confident you are or lack of confidence you have? Go walk out. First person you see, stare them straight in the eye and wait till they break their stare. What's interesting is I went out and I did that exercise, dude. And it was like instinctively, as soon as they would look up, I would like look away. I'm like, fuck. And I was like conscious of it, not even realizing I was doing it. And so all of a sudden you're like, you start to realize like, oh my God, how unconfident am I being? I can't even stare somebody in the eyes. So then it was like, oh, this is a game. So I'm like staring people down. It got really weird. This big dude wanted to beat me up. But like, that's a whole other story for another day. But that was something that I worked on like consciously and actively to build up my confidence so that when I was in front of these people and selling or I was going and taking these meetings, I wasn't sheepish. I was like, dude, I had to. I had to put myself. It was like I made it a do or die situation. It was like I have to make this work or I die. And I really put, I made it that drastic for me so that I would take action. Brian, one of the things I'm curious about on, uh, when it comes down to uh, growing bold, and I think I've talked about this before with, with you, one of the coolest things and one of the reasons I recommend it to all of you guys, especially everybody in this group, I mean, it's just, it's just an awesome thing that you pulled together. Season one is like so raw. And he literally put stuff on, on, on YouTube that you, you arguably, like he has no reason putting this out there. What I mean by that is there's like, there's some deep, I remember watching some of the challenges you were going through with your wife that you put mm -hmm. on YouTube, which at mm -hmm. the time was like madness. And now it's like, it's phenomenal because it's so authentic and transparent. Mm -hmm. How have you, uh, especially with having a kid since then recently, how have you grown as an entrepreneur, but more so even as a person since you've had a family now with running two companies and all of the craziness and the travel and you seem to be all over the place before the pandemic. You want to just talk about that in terms of your growth as, a, as an entrepreneur and continuous learning, even in this stage and where you're at today? For sure. For sure. Um, you know, and thanks for recognizing that. Yeah. I mean, for me, I, I you know, one of the things that that, you know, especially when we were going really hard on growing bowl, one of the things that kept me doing and putting all that stuff out really was the fact that I was like, dude, this is the stuff that I wish existed when I was challenged, when I was just coming up as an entrepreneur that I could learn from that was real. And, you know, there's a lot of stuff on the internet and probably 90% of it is fake. And I'm like, dude, this is like real and raw and honest. And like, how do you grow an actual business? Not just all the fluffery. Right. And so that kept me going at, you know, and putting out as much content as we could. Um, you know, nowadays, you know, having a kid, I definitely changed me for sure. I, you know, for me, it's like, you know, now, it, you know, my, I'm so much more conscious of my time. Like if, if my time is going to be taken up by something means now, where before it was just like, okay, whatever, I'm going to do everything that I can. Now it's, if I'm doing something, it's taking me away from time with my daughter. And especially now that we're on lockdown, like I'm going to spend more time with her. Than I probably ever would have. And it's been incredible. And I actually think, believe it or not, this has changed me because I'm like, wow, I'm just seeing all this development that I would have just seen in like little chunks, you know, even if it was every day, but it was 30 minutes is different than, than being able to, you know, go and spend an hour and a half with her this afternoon. Like that's a big difference. And so, you know, for me, I'm going like, wow, even now I'm refining, like, what am I doing? Why am I doing it? And if I'm going to do something, it's going to take time away from my family. It really better do one of two things or both. I better really love it or, and, or it better make me a lot of damn money. Otherwise, like, <laughs> you know, and so it's, it's for me, I'm even refining further. And the money thing, honestly, is, is secondary, but look, we, you know, money is important. <laughs> um, it's just life. Right. And so, you know, um, but, but number one, really, like, you got to love it. And so for me, I'm just continuing to refine, like, do I really care about that? Do I really like that client? Do I really want to spend time doing this part of the business? Um, you know, I've got some other dreams, too, that I'm even, even now going through this. I've been very, very, I've been using some of this time to be self-reflective. I'm going like, you know, I keep saying I want to do this other thing am I waiting for? Right. And so, so stuff like that is, is, is even more on the forefront with having a family. Cause when before it was just myself, it's not, you know, it, it, it's not as noticeable, I would say.
And you know what? Chris has an awesome question. I'm going to throw it to him in one second. I just want to ask you just to clarify for everyone in this call. We've talked about your story and everything you do. You kind of talked about what you do today. Do you want to talk about the day-to-day of your companies today? Because it has changed yeah. even since I started following you on YouTube and, yeah. and Instagram. You guys have changed dramatically the last couple of years. What do you guys do today and the work that you do with some of these clients? Yeah, for sure. And for a little bit of context, you know, over the last decade, last 10 years, Bold is really focused in on marketing, um, you know, really on the marketing side, advertising side. Um, you know, now over the last, you know, two years, we've transitioned to, we still do a lot of marketing, but we've really added into the company now is really business strategy. I have a new business partner who comes from, you know, the big business world, He's, you know, two, multiple MBAs, one from Oxford, like, you know, re- really cool dude, but really smart guy um, who really understands like business, you know, deep business strategy, like big, 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 complicated stuff. He took a $18 billion Microsoft project to market like that level kind of stuff. Right. And so, you know, in the reason that transition is I just realized over the years of doing what we do is, you know, when you're just working on marketing, you, you, you only have a few levers and switches that you can really pull and push on to change something within a company. Um, and for me, it's like, man, what gets me excited is really seeing actual growth, actual impact in the clients that we work with. And so if we're just working on marketing, we're working in such a tiny silo, um, we can only have so much impact. But if we also are working on like, what's their overarching business strategy? Where are they trying to go? How are they going to get there? How do we accelerate that through marketing, sales, fixing their operations and logistics? Now we can accelerate the growth of a company so much faster. And because we're intertwined on these different levels, you know, we can have so much more of an impact so much more quickly. So that's really what we're doing nowadays is we really come in as a, you know, strategist consultant. Um, and then we really build out these big plans and then we'll execute elements of it like marketing and sales and ops. I love it. Love it. Chris, do you want to jump in? You had a question. I do. Brian, thanks for being with us. I appreciate it. Um, so this is more on a personal note for me. So, um, Basically, my goal is to start a real estate development company. I want to develop apartment complexes because in the metro Detroit area, we don't have a lot of the different types of buildings that they have in the rest of the country, like rap buildings, stuff like that. So um, my biggest thing is the capital it takes to get in. You know, I'm like, save my way there, but it's just going to, I mean, it'll take 20 years, you know? So my biggest thing, you know, I've got a lot of clients that own companies that are willing to invest. I mean, would you? Would you jump on that? Because I'm ready to just basically use everybody else's money to get something going at this point. Yeah, I was going to say that what I would look for at your stage, right, where you don't have the capital to make these big moves, um, you know, but you really want to make some bigger moves. You know, I would look for a partner that has assets or capital or access that I don't have, um, at least on the first few deals, right? It, you know, gives you okay. the credibility, the access, the capital, et cetera. You, you're probably going to take a much, much smaller piece of the puzzle going into it initially. Um, sure. You know, and, but I would just suggest like being clear on your ultimate goals, being transparent with your ultimate goals with these people and figuring out what's the value proposition that you bring to the table that justifies them utilizing you as a partner. If you can figure that out, now you can go in and you just find some other people and say, Hey, like I know how to find a deal and I can even raise the capital for it. But dude, I can't run the thing or manage it. And if you're like, that's me, find that other person. Eventually you can grow at scale. Maybe that's a great partnership or maybe, you know, you take 20 cents on the dollar initially, but it gets you into the game and it gets you capital faster and credibility faster. And then you can eventually go off and do your own things or other deals. Gotcha. Awesome. No, I appreciate that. That's great advice. Tyler, you got one. You want to throw it at Mr. Mr. Cristiano? Yeah, definitely. I, uh, first of all, wicked appreciate you being here. The authenticity, just the story you told us, super personal, man, really resonate with that. So awesome stuff Thank there. Um, and yeah, I got a question for sure. So right now I'm actually uh, just graduated from Mass Amherst. Uh, I have the last six months or so been working on um, starting up my digital marketing agency and really have a lot of traction right now first few clients underway and really getting some campaigns launched. And um, I've been doing a lot of like, you know, kind of rant videos on my Instagram talking about like, you know, what I'm up to just self-improvement stuff in general. And I have a uh, kind of a business page for an overarching business. I hope to run one one day, but you know, it's right now it's kind of just like for business leadership. And today I kind of made the announcement actually funny enough that I'm going to start documenting the growth of the brand and what I'm doing with the agency. So do you have any tips, I guess, going into that? Cause I literally just announced it today and, 
starting to document this because you know it's in the beginning stages we've got real clients and stuff so you know you started doing that and so where did you start and what do you have for tips i guess love it i'll give you i'll give you the perspective that i have today having gone through it learned a ton in what i would do if i was if i was starting from that square right now so you know number one i love it i think it's fantastic congratulations um you know first of all do the content tell the story but do a couple things differently you know do, do do a couple things different you know one is um um don't spend too much time on the content right like don't don't let it become like 80 percent of your time like it should be like 10 20 percent of your time right it's very easy to go down that rabbit hole and it becomes a full-time job like it's a full-time job right so i would actually say that less is more i know the gary v model and everything is like five thousand pieces of content a minute do that, that doesn't work for 99.9% .9 of the world. So what I would say though, is if you do some very periodic stuff that's spaced out, that takes you know much less time for you, but does two things, connects with your audience. So they're like, dude, I like Tyler. Like, that's great. I want to get on board with his vision of marketing, his vision of business. I like his vision. It needs to encapsulate that, your vision. And number two, you need to intertwine and continuously intertwine what you're doing, how you're doing it, and give some information away that's valuable to where somebody else can watch it. They're like, oh, I never thought of that, or that's really interesting, or I like how he does that, or I should be doing that for my business. That will bring it back to what you actually do and help to grow the company. Number two, 95% of your future business will come through you picking up the phone and you shaking people's hands. It's the perception in the world right now is the opposite. Throw a million things on Instagram, you can make a business. What that does, it gives you credibility. So then people look you up and they're like, oh my God, this guy knows some stuff. You're going to get some inflow from it, but it's not going to be dramatic. People are oftentimes shocked. Like, dude, I'm doing all this content. I'm not getting any inflow. Outflow is way more powerful than inflow. Outbound is what's going to drive your business, especially from the ground up bootstrap. Like if I could only choose one way to get clients, it would be the telephone. You know. I, I agree with you. No, I, I appreciate that as well, for sure. So thank you so much. Definitely. Good yeah, luck. good luck, man. Appreciate that. Miss Brunel, you got one. Yeah, so I actually graduated from art school too. So this is hitting home for me. Um, and I've been seeing a lot more about um, just brand consulting and how it's becoming bigger and bigger and bigger. And I'm kind of wondering, so we, we know your story from the point where you're like, okay, I got to pull myself up by the bootstraps and get going. And now I know your story is like this huge company that provides these amazing services. It's like, how do you monetize that kind of consulting and how did you grow it? To that point where it's like these companies will sign these billion dollar contracts with you yeah honestly it's it's one step at a time right it's like it doesn't happen overnight it's you know you're you're looking back at a decade and a half of, of hard work um so a keep in mind it does take time uh, b you know really it's a balance between um two things again looking backwards what i now know is is you know one getting profitable business, right? It's not just about the top line. It's like, if you can make a million dollars, but it costs you $990,000 to make that million, you only made 10 grand, right? So number one, focusing on profitable business, profitable clients, it'd be better off you take something for 10 grand that makes you 8,000 than 30 grand that makes you $3,000. Most of the time, there's a caveat in this, which is, especially in the creative world, there's credibility. Those logos, those little badges, the real, that kind of stuff, it matters. And so sometimes, and you have to just go with your gut and trust your instincts. Sometimes you're going to have to take a client or a project that makes you no money, might even lose you money, but gets you the ability to say, now I'm working with, you know, whatever, major league baseball. They said to you is, you know, like, I'll give you an example, actually a real quick one. This is a decade, this is 10 years ago. We got an opportunity to do some stuff for, um, uh, um, um, Ray-Ban, which was amazing. And it was a big budget for us at the time, but honestly, it was probably a quarter of what we really needed to do it properly. But we took it because we got to work with Ray-Ban. And man, we, we had to do, we rolled up our sleeves so far to make it happen. And I think we even lost money on the deal. But that job 
got us probably seven or eight other jobs that ended up being super profitable. And so it's a balance between the two. Some people make this mistake and just do free work or lose money all the time. You need to run a business. Some people also make the mistake of just, hey, I'm going to do the small stuff that makes me big margin and they don't want to take some risks and some leaps along the way. So it's a balance between the two. It would be my, 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 my best advice for you at this stage. I got, I want to make sure we get out of here in the next maybe five minutes or so. If we got just time for maybe two more questions. I just want to hit Brian uh, at the end of season one of uh, Growing Bold. You go out and you see, uh, it's when you have Alex Rodriguez on the show. I'm curious, was A-Rod a planned episode or did he see what you guys were doing with Gordon Bull? Is that how you guys, I'm curious how you guys uh, met A-Rod, how you started working with him. So this is a really cool story. Um, So I knew someone who, um, I knew someone whose fiance was, you know, the head of investments for A-Rod Corp. And she was looking for a company to produce some videos because A-Rod was going to go on Shark Tank. And everybody just knew him for baseball. And it was like split. People loved him or hated him. They knew him for baseball. And that was it. Nobody knew that he had, you know, had all this business experience and all these investments and stuff like that. And he was going on Shark Tank. So they needed to create these videos um, in order to really portray that. And so her fiance, who I happen to know through other business was like, Hey, like, this is kind of up your alley. You want me to connect you? Yeah, absolutely. They said, they gave me all the details and they said, yeah, sure. Like send us a proposal. Um, and I was like, yeah, okay, great. I call, if we do the proposal, I call them up and I said to her, I said, Hey, her name's Monique. I said, Hey Monique, like, um, you know, I've, I've got the proposal. When can we set up a call with, with A-Rod? And she like laughs at me. <laughs> She's like, yeah, yeah. Like <laughs> he's not looking at the proposals. Like that'll go through me. And then, you know, whatever I said, all right, all right, shit. I said, okay. Um, you know, um, she's like, and, and then once I figure out the one or two, then I'll, I'll connect him with somebody. She's like, I, I, you know, send me the proposal. And I just, I'm like, oh, okay, no problem. I hang up and I'm like, shit. I send her this proposal, dude. I'm going to be one of a hundred, you know, even though we're really good, like who's not going to bid on this. I'm like, we're just going to end up a stack of papers on somebody's desk that I don't really know. I don't have that much pull through my contacts. So I was like, shit. I'm like, all right. So what I do is, swear to God, so what I do is I say, oh, you know what? I'm going to, because I knew if, like, if I could pitch it, I could sell it, but like a deck isn't going to do shit. And so, which is a tip for all of you, by the way. Um, so what I did was, is I, rec- I have one, my camera guy, I said, hey, dude, film me. I'm going to pitch this. And so we, we filmed me pitching it. They cut in all the slides. And it was like 15 minutes long of me doing the actual pitch with the slides. And so the next morning, I just go like, hey, I just sent you the pitch. Can you, can you send it to Alex? She opens up and she's like, I can't send Alex doesn't have 15 minutes. He can't watch this. I'm sorry. Just send me the deck. I'm like, fuck. So I'm like, what do I do? So I was like, all right, all right. Again, I was like, I knew if I just send the deck, it's over. But I'm also starting to really piss her off. So I'm like, all right, Monique, okay, no problem. Just give me, uh, give me a few hours. She says, all right, all right. But she's like, just note, like, we got to get this thing done. And I got a hundred other people willing to do this. Like, I don't have time to have more conversations with you about this. I'm like, yeah, no problem. So I'm like, fuck, guys, we got to edit this thing down to like five minutes. So we edit it down, we get to like six minutes. I send her the video. And I'm like, okay, here you go. And she just texts me back. I just want a fucking deck. I'm like, shit. <laughs> And I'm like, and I'm like, what? Uh, I'm like, oh man, I, I'm like, I'm gonna lose this. And I'm pissing her off. So I text her back, and I said, just do me a favor and send the video to Alex. If by this time tomorrow he hasn't had the ability to watch it, I'll send you the deck. She doesn't respond. I'm like, fuck, that's it. It's over. It's over. I get a call that night, 8 p.m. Hey Brian, it's Monique. Can you jump on a can you jump on a Skype with Alex in 20 minutes? I'm like, yeah, sure. <laughs> he watched the video, loved it so much, went down the rabbit hole, saw who I was, da, 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 whatever. We get on we get on Zoom and we talked for like an hour and then we're out in LA two days later filming shit. And now we're like buddies and we do business together. It's cool. I love that. I love that. Does anybody else have anything last year for Brian? Really appreciate you coming on, Brian, and and for extending this time out a little bit. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna go ahead and wrap this, Brian. If you don't mind sticking around for 60 seconds after this, I'm gonna yeah, let. Of thanks for everyone sticking around a little later here. Brian's so cool here in the story. That was uh, I don't think I don't think we've heard like that far curtain pulled back of a of a story of entrepreneurship mm. yet on the, at least on this uh, group. So <laughs> really appreciate you coming on, man. Awesome. Love following. Oh, my your- pleasure. Thanks Thanks for staying late, guys. I appreciate your time, too.
Have a good one. Thanks so much, man. Thanks, Brian. Thanks a lot, Brian. Thanks, Brian. Cheers. All right, guys, that's all we have. Thank you so much for tuning in for this episode of the Get After Podcast. If you really enjoyed this episode, it would help us immensely to leave a review. Rate, review, subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you guys so much. I hope you guys have a great rest of your day, and I hope this podcast helps enable and really empower you to get after it. Talk to you guys soon. Thanks so much.